Postman, who's here? The goal. I suffered a most terrible year in 1954. Tales of my debut novel, the book, that sank, that plateaued so much to the extent that my income was non-existent. I was living on savings. My wife had left me in the summertime off to travel the world with her lover, Pedro. I don't blame her, really. I'm sure I had become insufferable. My mood, my demeanor, my general outlook on life had taken a drastic dip while my alcohol consumption had flourished. The main cause of my depression had been writer's block. By writing the boat that sank, words had flowed from my fingertips like they were being siphoned from somewhere else other than my brain. A joy discovery that my, my characters came alive into the paper. A satisfying sign, a sound of my fingers ripened me tapping out the words on my Remington typewriter. But in the whole of 1954, I only managed to sell two short stories for a total sum of £10. Whilst my second novel, I, I just hadn't happened. I worked through a dozen irritations, but each time I began, I just couldn't see the story through. So in the mid-20s, 1955, for the most miserable Christmas of my life, I decided to take my writer's book, book on, on my writer's block head-on. I bought a cottage on the most reliant island off the north-east coast of Scotland. On the vice of Johnny, a hard-drinking Scot from my local pub, I hardly frequently between Lewis and Sincalia, uh, a hunk of rock three kilometres by two. Legend has it, according to Johnny, that the island had been only been inhabited by one man or close from passed away. The latter part of the 19th century, his cottage, the sole be building on the island, was now available to rent for a bargain sum of one pound per week. Only one catch, Johnny had stirred in his thick, Norwegian tones, clutching a glass of whiskey, is something, nothing else. No shop, no people, no pub. Would send people mad. But solitude you're after, there's no place like that on, on the planet. Not a living soul around, just for you and the girls. It sounded good to me. A week would be enough, I guessed. Even if I couldn't finish my novel, it would give me a push to actually start it and get a good way full. If I couldn't write somewhere like that, I couldn't write anywhere. Maybe it could even help me off the drink. It only took one phone call to someone called Stevie Black, a Scotsman who owns a small cottage and arranged transport to the island. I packed my typewriter and numerous tins of food and was travelling the next day, a coffee, fueled 12 hour drive from north from London to lie the sky. I met Stevie. Nutter, Stevie asked me. Asked when I first met him, and shook his large, rough hand. I beg your pardon, I asked, wondering if he misheard or misused the original accent. You were one of those nutters, huh? I see you all the time. Daddy, wanna get away from it, huh? Something like that. Just want to be myself for a while, I suppose. I boarded his boat. We set sail. Steve seriously navigated around the southern tip of the Lewis while I dozed on a wooden bench on deck. He wasn't taking much of a talker. I was glad, especially after a 12-hour drive. It was six o'clock and darkness had taken hold. I was looking forward to my bed. No mattress. How hard and uncomfortable it may be. There she, Steve said, pointing 
I looked over dozily and saw a grey rock jutting in the sea. A strong wind would brought the world round into my sharp focus. Despite the late hour and dark sky, I could make out dozens of seabirds flying and circling round above the island. We came closer. I could hear their loud wails alongside the crisscross of waves spraying against the rocks. Behind, I shuddered at the noise and turned to see Stephen. Stevie smiling at me. It's their land, he said, pointing at the gulls. They are now close enough to make out the yellow colour of their bills, glowing dimly in the pale moonlight. You see, yeah, in a week, some place, some time, don't even forget. Enjoy your any company, Daddy. The boat, the boat turned, and soon it was a speck in the distance. Rock, in, in, on the rough waves, I walked the half-mile journey to the cottage, using a hand-drawn map that Stevie had provided. The plastic conditions of light, lack of light, made it difficult to find my footing on the rocky surface. But the cottage was only building on the island, so it didn't take long to find. As I came into him a few meters of our small wooden door, which is framed by blocks of wood stone, I looked at a place which was my, to be my home for the next seven days. Its windows glimmered in the moonlight, the width of them matching the shape of the cottage. The twinkling light of the plains and the darkness gave the cottage a sinister appearance, as if there was something living aware of my approach. A roof was tiled but in a state of disrepair. Covered in crusty white excrement, or no doubt the countless gulls circling overhead. I hoped there were no leaks or holes. Stevie had promised it was in good condition. I unlocked the door, which opened with a dusty sigh. The cottage itself was much even smaller on the inside than it looked on the outside. It consisted of three rooms, a small bedroom, a kitchen and a bathroom. I pulled these three candles from my bag and lit them carefully. Pacing them in each room, the cell smells in the cottage would take some getting used to. I looked over to my bed and saw it had a thin mattress and an old sheet. I groaned, cursing myself. I only bought two towels and no bed sheets. In any case, I was exhausted. I dropped my bags on the floor and slumped into the bed, fully clothed. Within thirty seconds, I was fast asleep. I dreamt of screaming children. Several were running toward me on their tiny grey island. While waves crashed in every direction, soaking their clothes and their hair. Their screams were loud and short, but shrill and awful, making the hairs stand out on my neck. Stand on my neck, but the sight of the children was worse than the sound. Each child boy had a wise. Instead, two black cousins on their face, dark red blood oozing down their cheek, pale cheeks. They were coming towards me, their hands reaching, grabbing, pointing. When I woke abruptly, cold sweat was trickling down my temples. I looked out to the, to the window and saw the morning light burst through the window. A gull screamed above the cottage, reaching into my bag. By my watch, I noticed the time was half past eight. An early enough start. Ravenously, I opened a tin of tuna, ate it quickly. With my fingers not even waiting to drain the brine, I said it leaked down my fingers and salty smell, mixing presently with the hard air, sea air. I took my rotator out of the backpack and placed it on the solid wooden table, which sat at the opposite the room of the bed. It fed it with paper. I stroked it lovely. My Remington machine that helped me change my life in 1952. The vehicle, my story, it sold in its thousands. I remember the first check in the post for a hundred pounds. It was a year's salary in one go. Then the next check came. 
and by the end of 1953, I made 600 pounds. I patted on the Brimpton with a little more force this time. Don't let me bow, old boy, I said. But we need it. We did it before. We can do it again. I went back to my bag and pulled out a tin of tuna, beans, vegetables and corned beef. More than enough for a week and, of course, no alcohol. I was paying for me. I knew it would. During the three months it took to write the boat and it sank, I drank whiskey every day. The alcohol would help relax my mind. Bringing ideas, situation, characters that might have been stuck in my sober mind without the smooth passage of the lubrication of alcohol allowed. Or so I thought the problems of my second novel led to much more whiskey. More whiskey led to duller faults. Duller faults led to poor writing, or none at all. I lost count of the number of times of angry frit sheets in the Remington, and screwed them up violently, throwing him across the room, yelling, swearing, punching the desk, even throwing my precious typewriter into, onto the floor. One, at one point, I had falsely discredited the whiskey with my success, but I had done myself disservice. It was all me. Without this alcohol, without distraction, I would be able to find a way to unlock my talent once more. I glanced at the window, the oh, grey, cloudy grey sky, sky seemed to beckon me outside. I wrestled with myself, too easy distracted, it scolded, I scolded. But what better way to get creative scooses flowing than brisk walk in his pitch-wrecked surroundings? I opened the heavy door and closed it behind me, the bitter wind slapping my face. I pulled the key out of my pocket to unlock the door. I laughed at myself. Who would break into a cottage on the island where I am the only inhabitant? I replaced the key in my pocket and walked across the island to the outside, outside which had I landed on the previous night. I froze the winter, the colour draining from my face. A loud, high-pitched wail pierced the winter's air. I fought back to, to the dream that had terrified me before I woke. My hand jumped to my chest in fright as my heart raced with intense velocity. I turned sideways to the source of the noise and saw a gull standing on an old column of crumbling stone. Its head it was slighter. Same height as me in elevated position. Its bright yellow eyes burned into mine. Its yellow bill crooked downwards, giving the appearance of an elmery fowl. I noticed a pink scar of its large white belly. I swayed lightly in the blustering wind as a grew cow grew its threw its head back and yelled once more, a blood curdling scream that seemed to echo across the grey skies to the desolate island. I looked across and realised it wasn't an echo. Dozens of other girls were circling over the cottage. My bones ate with a chill, although I wasn't sure whether it was the winter or the fright. I shook the, the thought away and laughed at myself. Silly fool, frightened by a seagull? Well, what did you expect on the remote island? I waved at a seagull and it caught its head curiously. Curiously. Thanks for the welcome, sir. I hope you will enjoy having me on your beautiful home, I said. I turned away, laughing harder. As I walked, I, I looked over the horizon. There's nothing else around the lump of rock other than birds. Blue, grey, sea. Filled the landscape, punctured by the patches of white surf. The sound of waves crashing against the rocks was louder. 
than any right to be. The water almost exploding as it met with the high surface. After walking for around five minutes, I became aware of the darkness tinging. They were already damn light and just directly above me. Then that horrible sound filled the air once more, a loud, sharp scream and short burst. I turned quickly and looked upwards. It was a gull. It was swooping fast. Less, from less than a metre away, I could see its yellow eyes again. They were alert, focused and alert. I ducked, and the gull swooped back, churning, vocalizing as it ascended into the muggy sky. You bastard, leave me alone, I shouted, and ran um, beneath my tree for safety. I checked. Therefore, a hot cry of my name into the dark bark, already shaken at the crack of thunder, made me drunk and signaled the onset of a heavy shower. I walked, looked up to the skies after a few steps. It slowed me down, and I, by the rain was cascading from the dark clouds, fell heavily into my face, but the thought of the little girl swooping down while I faced the other way was too much to bear. Luckily, the skies were empty. I made to the cottage and threw myself on the bed, panting heavily with exertion. I looked over to the typewriter. How could I do now? How how I could do with a drink? I thought to myself. I am a prophetic man, I concluded. A man who came to be deserted island to escape humanity even here I see demons, enemies, waiting to attack me. Maybe the world is too hard for a place for a man like me. Even a common bird's whole fear of violence, my tortured, broken mind. Most men would have locked it off. Maybe even thought the goal off. But me, I made it the trigger of external crisis. I took the, the thought away. Remember why you came. I thought to myself, falsely, I walked over to the typewriter, began to write, the hours went by, the words flowed, it felt fantastic, characters formed and began living and breathing, through my words, the rhythm of the Remington keys sang along to me, back to me like it was 1953 all over again, maybe the gold did me a favour, maybe the big white flying bastard, been the key to unlocking the talent that had been hiding inside me so long. Ten thousand words turned into five thousand. Five turned to ten. The sun set in the rough waters of the western side of the island. I used completely tw- twenty-five thousand words. I completed twenty-five thousand words. I attempted to write more, but my fingers burned. I needed food. I grabbed a tin of corned beef, stuffing the meat into my mouth. Bruised, bruised, pausing to swallow upon my mouth was full. So I put the tin into a makeshift bin under the sink. I stopped and stared at the desk next to it. There was a bottle of whiskey and opened, sitting dusty behind the bin. I placed my hand on my head and ruffled my hair in disbelief. It would be great to have a drink now, I thought. I averted my eyes from the bottle. I've been three days without a drink, and the day was the best day I had over a year. Surely that was a sign to ignore the whiskey. I walked out of the kitchen briefly and sat on the bed, wringing my hands. I still hadn't tried, but I decided to leave any further writing until early, ne- early tomorrow morning. I looked at the wooden floor and cased in the stone surroundings. I began to go for, decided to go for a walk. Darkness descended on Lila Fabric, and the girl would be dozing, or even asleep. Even it wasn't, if it wasn't, I wanted to prove that I was man enough to face it again. 
I do not. It's not like a gull was a deadly animal after all. I walked out the door and looked up. A few gulls glided at over the end of the island, looking like black shapes in the dark blue sky, but none looked too close or anonymous. I walked on, deciding to complete a lap of the island. If I walked briskly, it would take less than three quarters of an hour. I made it thirty minutes and could see the cottage in the distance when I heard it yell a grasping, gradual scream that would have risen from the pits of hell itself. I turned to see the descending gull right above my head, but it was time I was ready for fight. I glanced my fist within a, around a thin, cold leg, its screaming come loud and panic yet again. I looked at those cold, dead little eyes and saw the pink scar on his otherwise pristine white body. Time seemed to slow down as I pulled the leg down towards me. He, each wing stretched wildly and cut through the moisture air as he rapidly moved up and down. I felt a sharp pain on top of my head, and then a warm sensation down my face. A gold surged towards and jabbed me with sharp bills, suggesting I let go of its leg and it sought its sword in the night sky. With one hand on my wounded head, I ran clumsily back to the cottage. Even Time has seen to slow down that I pulled a leg that door with me. Each wing stretched wildly and cut through the moist air and rapidly moved on up and down. I felt a sharp time and pain on top of my head and warm sensation down my face. A coward surged forward and jabbed me with its sharp bill, staring. I let go of its, its leg and soared into the night sky, one hand on my wounded head. I ran clumsily back to the cottage, less than thirty yards. From the door I stumbled on the rock and spooled comically across the ground. Rolling three times before stopping. Hmm. I shook my head and glanced towards, upwards. The large shadow of the goal was sweeping. Across the sky, by days, I saw it a large, huge crucifix, ominous and terrible. You might have imagined it, but I'm sure, even twenty yards below, on the cold ground, I could see its evil yellow eyes and malevolent grimace. I screamed again in the night, its sharp yell causing my hair to stand on end, its icy shiver to run through my whole body. I gathered my senses and clumsily threw myself to my feet. As I reached the floor, I heaved it open and fell inside the cottage, sweating despite the brightness in the air. I looked around the inside of the, of the cottage stone walls. Was this my prison for the next few days? I could not leave until then, surely. I would have to creep out and ensure the goal would not see me. I had no doubt that. I stayed on the ground where I fell. It would have landed on me and used its bill to rip me to shreds. I lay on the floor, panting heavily, my head throbbing, my uh, mind immediately went to the whiskey. Three days without a drink, and it was nothing. Most people went really hard drinkers go through that without really thinking. It could help with the pain. I jumped to my feet and walked over to the bottle. I uncorked it with some effort and poured it into a glass. 
Walking back to the bedroom, I swilled the whiskey in the glass, releasing its sweet over me on the air. I sniffed the perfumes and roll, my eyes rolled with pleasure. I deserve this, I thought. I sat on the bed and looked into the glass, wanted to savour it, to delay it as long as possible, to hurt myself, tease myself in some way, for some deep physical reason I could not comprehend. I'd been through too much of my short time on this tiny island. I regret drinking whiskey. As I raised the glass to my lips, closing my eyes, I paid to taste the thick, sweet liquid. My concentration was broken by the sound of smashing glass. I looked over in the window and felt a freezing gust of wind stirring my cheeks. The gold's head emerged through the smashed window. It squeezed through, cutting that white body on the sides of glass. Trattering red blood on its white body, it paused and yelled its awful cry. A grisling sound that made me, gave me an instant chill in my heart. I froze as it entered the cottage, dropping to the stone floor below the window. The gull flapped its huge wings and jumped at me, its talons facing my body. Once again I grabbed its feet, again it thrust its bills forward. I cried in pain as the seagull jabbed me in my right eye, my vision filling with red blood, before becoming blurred and dark. I felt the blood trickle warm and wet down my face. I looked down my numb on in a numb shock as I saw my eyeball clasped in a bowl's yellow bill and oozing red blood contrasting with yellow of its sharp beak nonsensely a skull flipped my eyeball into its mouth and swallowed in bizarre sense of watching the scene from inside my own body I felt saw the lump of my elbow making it way down to the bird's throat squirming to that sort of vision out of out of my remaining eye was focused as possible. I yanked it at its feet again. But this was only making it angrier. With a violent jerk, the gull plunged its beak into my soft flesh of my stomach. I could feel the intense steering pain of grabbing something from inside me and pulling it out. I could I did I did not know what a part of me I was looking. As the gull with its face a mess of red gore emerged with something thick and stringy from a grasping, gaping wound in my gut. A girl was murdering me, me where I sat, on this cold, hard bed in a desolate island. Reaching forward painfully, I grabbed the girl's long neck with both hands. I squeezed as hard as I could. I heard head-popping, cracking sounds. I laughed manically and stared into those yellow eyes. It was still taunting me, mocking me. I screamed in the girl's face and twisted my arms, the extra effort causing my muscles to tighten and strain strain against my jumper. I read at least a wild cry of aggression. War lights scowled and crackled through me, back to me for the smashed window from the misty dark outside the cottage. But the girl's head ripped jaggedly from its body. Crimson blood gushed from its broken body. I threw. The beaver bird's head down against the stone floor. I sat down back. I pulled a pillow against the wound in my stomach and laughed. Victory was mine. The enemy crush was nothing but my own power. I did not. I, I now not. I not known that you were doing in this cold, lonely cottage in this cold, lonely island. I'm not really sure how long it takes for infection to set in, but I can smell an awful odour coming from my weak, empty eye socket. It smells tangy, 
like rotting cheese mixed with almonds. I stopped putting pressure on my stomach wound. I now watch my blood seep out and trickle into the stone floor like a moonlit waterfall. I felt my I hoped I'd bleed out soon. That would be for the best. More that have come, you see. Five or six curls just squeeze the wheel smash window one by one. I'm making a way to my bed. One good one piece of good news I have my whiskey. I just hope it takes the edge of the pain that is to come. A girl just jumped into my bed. I can see his yellow eyes staring into my soul.